Hi, everyone, and welcome back to SCORE's podcast, Inside College Admissions. On today's episode, our strategic advisor, Peter Van Buskirk, is going to interview one of our high school counselors. Peter is the owner and founder of Best College Fit and brings over 25 years of experience to college admissions. He's also a contributor to SCORE's blog, so make sure you check out his work there, too. Now over to Peter for today's conversation. Welcome to Inside College Admission, conversations with college advisors about matters affecting the college-going process. My name is Peter Van Buskirk, and I'm joined today by my friend Amanda Leschuk, who is the Director of College and Career Counseling at Marymount High School in suburban Cincinnati. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, Peter. I'm glad to be here. It's good to be talking with you today. Well, it's good to have you with us today to talk about the college-going process, and uh, everything's normal right now for you, right? Not exactly. Not exactly. <laughs> What a setup, right? Uh, how are things not normal for you? Oh, where should I start? I think the biggest thing is just not being able to see my students on a regular basis like I used to. We're getting back to that where I am, but I feel like I'm still catching up from last spring in the summer. Mm-hmm. So what was the spring like for you? I think it was March 13th when basically our school closed down and we went remote for the fourth quarter of last year. So fourth quarter, of course, is very important to me as a college and career counselor with regard to probably mainly my juniors. Well, my seniors too, but um, I do a big focus on my juniors during that fourth quarter and in the summer, you know, helping them transition to senior year and trying to get them ready for the college application process and season, helping them write, you know, get started on their essays. I typically give them some tips on how to ask for letters of recommendation Mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. And so... Must have felt like you were hurting cats this spring. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, I was very optimistic. I tried to shift everything to our virtual world and, you know, did some Zooming with students, did some recordings. You know, I'm not sure how many students actually listened to all those because they were, you know, they were busy trying to deal with their new life as well. You know, whether that be, you know, Zooming with their school courses and all of that and certainly things outside of their control, you know, with regard to COVID and everything. So are are kids back in the classroom on campus now for you? Most of them are at our school. Our students had the choice to be remote learners if they wanted to. We probably have in the neighborhood of 10% who've done that. And then everyone else is back on campus. So we wear masks all day and we get tired, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, At least I do get to see them, you know, some. I would imagine it's a real challenge for your teachers also to have students in front of them in the classroom and then others observing the class Zoom-wise. And and then just uh, one's presence in a classroom has to be a lot different now than it would have been under, should I say, normal circumstances. Yes, absolutely. You know, and I've done some classroom lessons this fall and they've been fine, but it is a little bit different because we do have those students Zooming in. So I don't want to forget about them. They're at the, the front of the classroom with me, basically. We do try to keep our distance from students and students distance from each other and so forth. So, you know, it's, it's not the, the normal. I'm used to walking throughout the rows, talking to students. They'll show me something on their computer screen or I'll point to this, click here. And that part is certainly more difficult. So, so what do you find then to be the biggest pandemic-related challenges that uh, you've encountered then, you know, in, in, in the last uh, month and a half or so uh, in support of the application process? Just trying to get them caught up. 
I feel like, and they're doing a great job. Um, I think they probably feel more behind than they really are. Mm -hmm. But I think because of that, just a lot of anxiety and stress. I mean, of course, college applications seem to do that to students, unfortunately. But I think the pandemic has only added to that. And then there's just, you know, there've been a few changes here and there and certainly some unknowns. You know, all these colleges going test optional is you know, certainly good for a lot of students. A lot of students like that, but that of course adds a lot of questions. And what does test optional really mean? What does it really mean at this school? Should I submit my score to this school and not this school? You know, things like that. So a lot of those types of questions are certainly coming up. As you started the fall, it's understandable that a lot of students who are entering the senior year are eager to become college applicants, yet they've been dislocated from that access to colleges. They haven't been able to visit campuses. A lot of the traditional interactive kinds of things that that students might have done with college representatives, and you might have done with college representatives, went on the shelf about eight months ago. How are you finding the students adjusting and yourself adjusting to to a, a new normal? With regard to the the college representatives and, and their visits here at my school, it's not as bad as I thought. They Obviously, they're not visiting um, in person. They are doing a lot of Zoom calls with us. And truly, I, I really do believe the Zoom is the next you know best thing to them being here. But I can tell you that my numbers are down with regard to my students coming to those Zoom calls. I, I think it's just difficult on students. It's hard for them to think, well, is this real because the person's not here? Mm-hmm. And so I do think they, they struggle with that. Every time they come, they seem to be just fine talking with the rep. The rep, of course, can share their screen with us, go through a PowerPoint or show us a video if they want or, or anything like that. So it truly, I think the college reps coming to Zoom with us has worked out really quite well. Sure, we'd love to have them in person, but again, you know, if we can't, then we're at the, you know, I think the next best thing. With regard to students not being able to visit college campuses, I think that's been really difficult on students and parents. And interestingly, the other day I said to one of my colleagues, I said, oh my gosh, the college applications are up. So, you know, the kids are applying to so many schools more than they normally do. And it took me a minute and I thought, oh, I think they're doing that because they haven't gone to visit schools. Things do feel a little more um, unsure. Kids don't feel as safe and comfortable about it. So I think the thought is, I better apply to a few more to make sure. So, and that, you know, that's fine. Kids can certainly do that. But, you know, it's going to, that's going to be harder on the colleges when they go to admit students, because I think they're going to have a lot more applicants. And then, of course, parents are having to pay um, application fees and, you know, all that sort of thing. I did joke with some, some parents and students but I'm not really joking, but I told them to, you know, the virtual visits are actually really, really good with so many of these institutions. And so I said, I know it's not as fun to go on a Saturday and just sit at your computer at the kitchen table or wherever, but do your best to do that, you know, and really plan those out just like you would be traveling to that school. Even went so far as saying, you know, when you usually do these visits, do you, you know, would you have gone out to dinner afterwards? Would you have stopped and grabbed a pizza or something? So maybe you do the the virtual visit at the kitchen table, and then you order a pizza in. I don't know, <laughs> trying to make it fun. Maybe they would have stopped at the bookstore and you know bought their, their child a t-shirt. So maybe they go online and they order a t-shirt. So you know, I'm just looking for ways to get the students more interested in that because I know it's, it is different sitting there versus being on that college campus and walking that college campus. So how are kids getting the, the impression? I mean, you, you walk onto the college campus, and the kids will say, there's a vibe. They like the vibe. They don't like the vibe. But, but, but 
that, that, that becomes immediately apparent to them. Absent that live on campus opportunity, how are they finding that feeling, if you will, or can they right now? Are there online opportunities? Uh, what are the tools that, that are at their disposal? You know, that's a really good question. Of course, some of the college reps are so vivacious and fun and great people. So I've really seen that influence my students in a positive way, you know, um, and, and I'll remind them, I'll say, well, remember we met with the person from that particular school and weren't they fun and excited and, oh yeah, they were. And, you know, so the student, I think definitely takes something away from that. Sorry, college reps, no, no pressure or anything, but, <laughs> but it does make a difference. A lot of what happens in the college going process is relationship building. Do you find that the, the virtual relationship building has effectively taken the place of the in-person? Are, are kids feeling like, okay, I met her, we had a fun conversation. Does that lead then to follow-up emails and conversations and Zooms, or haven't you been able to, to determine that? You know, technically I haven't been able to determine that, but I do see my students and their level of comfort Mm -hmm. um, become much better as they meet the reps and talk to them. Or sometimes students will walk in and if we're not sure about something, I'll say, well, let's give, you know, let's give them a call, put them on speakerphone, talk to them together. You know, it's, I think it's good to model that for the students because of course our students today, they don't, they don't use a phone for anything except texting probably. So <laughs> to, you know, to help them make that phone call and make it less, less frightening, I think is really helpful. Mm -hmm. I do know a lot of colleges have also recently um, started to welcome visitors back on campus, especially seniors. Some of them, I think, only seniors. So I think that's going to help as well. You know, it's, of course, smaller numbers, so the kids have to be planning those visits, you know, quickly and um, and so forth. They can't wait till the last minute. But if the students get to go on campus, I do think that will help. I've had a few families share with me that they will ask me, do we have a graduate from our school, you know, at such and such a college, I want to try to connect with them and they're kind of making their own tour, so to speak, or even just walking the campus themselves, which, I, you know, is not a bad idea. And, and this is, I think, important. You mentioned that seniors are starting to get out to see some colleges. This is early decision season for a lot of young people. And some people probably come into your office and the first thing in the, the start of the fall and say, we need, we've, we found our early decision school, which always drives me nuts when they say that. But statistically and historically, early decision makes a difference. It's always assumed that there's a certain vetting that takes place, that, that the student's able to have an extensive exposure to the camps before making that commitment. How do you find that that's working now? Are families just as eager about early decision? Are they a little more cautious? Combination of both? I think they are more cautious this year about early decision, which I welcome because I agree with you. You know, that's such a commitment. And I really do, you know, stress that so much to my students and their parents that you are committing to this school to attend if you choose to apply early decision and obviously get accepted. You know, personally, our numbers here at my school are down for early decision. I usually have five to 7% of our senior class will, um, will apply early decision. And this year it's, it's definitely down. So for the most part, I'm pleased with that just because again, it's just gotta be that special, special connection with that school. They have to take it so incredibly seriously. You know, and I think in our current, just in our current time with COVID, you know, our world is just not as predictable as it used to be. So I think, that also leads people to be more cautious. You know, well, if I apply early decision today, what in the world 
are things going to look like in May or so forth and and next year and am I still going to want to attend that school because it's far away or it's this or it's that or whatever so I think people are much more cautious in making you know some of us are making decisions much later than we you know ever did mm -hmm. you can't plan quite as much sometimes because of things like covid so do you find that many of your students who just graduated in your senior class or those who are in the process of making decisions are are looking at alternatives to starting college and you know with their cohort i would well imagine that they're they're probably seniors graduated last spring who intended to start in the fall who may have just decided to back off of that or now maybe current seniors who are thinking about do i want to really start college with a remote status as opposed to you know in residence is that conversation part of what's going on at all in your community not a lot i i really think it's probably because of the nature of our optimistic adolescence, which I love. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to be right there with them and say, sure, it's all going to be better and back to normal. I, I don't know if they've thought quite that far ahead yet. You know, I work with a population that's pretty motivated to go to college, but I, I think they just, some of them, I think, think, well, if this is the world we now live in, um, I'm, I'm going to make it work for me. You know, I had a few students last year, I think I had a couple who, maybe decided to basically turn it into a gap year this year. And I did have a few, just a couple of students who also called me in um, June and changed from their college, from going further away to staying closer to home. Mm -hmm. You know, and admitted it was because of, you know, COVID and, you know, the unpredictability of everything. Mm -hmm. the, the flip side, I think college admission officers are very nervous right now about that unpredictability too. Uh, you, you said something about testing earlier and the test option. Is that a, an opportunity that's being greeted with enthusiasm or skepticism? Oh, that's a great question. A little bit of both, but I think more, I think more optimism. Okay. I think the kids are knowing and understanding um, because we've talked about it a lot and the college reps, I think, are doing a good job talking about how, you know, if you're comfortable with your test score and you feel that it represents you well academically, you know, then you may want to send it. And of course, the other the other piece that we always talk about with the students is if you're in that school's typical range of, you know, middle 50% of ACT or SAT, then you can consider sending it. If not, if you're below that, you know, you probably don't want to send it. So, you know, they're they're still sorting all of that out. And it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how the colleges then handle the admissions. Obviously, they have to weigh the other pieces more strongly, but it's just going to be more difficult, I think, for them mm -hmm. without that test score. A lot of them are used to that. Are, are you hearing in the conversations that college reps have with your students and with you some indication of what they might actually be looking at in place of? testing or where their emphasis and decision making might fall if the testing isn't there? I feel they've been open about that. They have stressed as usual and I'm in, and I'm glad to hear it the the students transcript so looking very strongly at their curriculum. Of course they want to see students challenging themselves and taking advanced placement or IB courses or whatever their school offers, you know, as, as much as possible and with that balance, as well as looking at, um, of course, their grades mm -hmm. and then extracurriculars, you know, their essays and, and so forth. Basically, the college reps have all said, we're just going to make all of those other pieces a little bit more important. But I have heard, you know, transcript and curriculum and grades mentioned the most, that's for sure. Have you and your colleagues done anything out of the ordinary this year to help colleges understand how Marymount High Schools have dealt with 
the adversity of the spring semester and the new setup in the fall? We did add a bit about that on our profile mm -hmm. that, of course, every college will get with every student's transcript. In our situation, we didn't change a whole lot. We didn't go to pass-fail grades or anything like that, you know, but we did explain that we went remote and, and so forth. So I think that's helpful to the colleges to at least give them a little bit of an idea mm -hmm. of those changes. Mm -hmm. So I hope other schools are doing that too, because I think the colleges need to know that. There's there's some thought that in lieu of the, the testing now becoming optional in many situations, that the holistic sense of the admission process takes over as well. Yes, the, you, you mentioned the courses and grades being the centerpiece, but what do you think or what are you hearing about the role of, of now maybe essays or letters of recommendation in terms of fleshing out that picture of, of the, the student who might be considered in the admission process? Well, to be honest with you, I haven't heard any, a lot of extra talk about it, but I think inevitably it's going to be there. It's so incredibly important. I know for my students, I share with them that once that college rep reads your, your essay, best case scenario is they kind of know who you are a little bit. Um, they kind of feel like maybe they've met you, had a brief conversation with you. And, uh, you know, and I think the other part that's really helpful, and of course the rec letter's there too, um, you know, the same sort of thing that after reading that letter of recommendation, uh, we feel like we have an idea, you know, what makes this student tick, if they can handle the academics on our campus, you know, those sorts of things. What, you know, what kind of a student this is. I, I think the other piece that really plays into that will be even probably more important this year are those college specific questions, you know, that we, we usually joke with the why us, you know, why do you want to come to this or that university? And I'm constantly telling my students, you have got to do your homework on that. It's got to be specific to that college. And, you know, best case scenario with that, I think, is that after the college admissions rep reads that, they think, oh, I can totally see this, this student on our campus. They would fit right in with the such and such a club, the band, Dr. So-and-so's chemistry class and research, or you know, whatever it might be. To me, that's that's the fit and the win-win. To that point, and I think that's a great point you make, it would seem then it's incumbent on the student who's applying to do some research into the school and the program of study so that they can make that connection. Is that something that, that happens easily with your 17 and 18 year olds? I'm, I'm thinking that that's an extra step that sometimes has to be encouraged strongly, but how, how do you find it happening? Uh, well, well said. Um, <laughs> it is an extra step. I do encourage my students, like I said, to really go to that website and do some, do some research. I do tell them to, they probably don't need to research for two hours, you know, but even spending 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes on a website, you do a little bit of clicking and you get to some more, much more details where you can um, really see if this indeed is a good fit for you. You know, and maybe it helps students, maybe they decide that the school's not a good fit. They click through the, you know, the biology program and they find out it's really not exactly what they're, they're looking for. Or maybe it helps them just tweak their situation and they find out that it wasn't maybe exactly biology they wanted, but more environmental science or, you know, something like that. So, no matter what, I think it's a great use of their time, but they're busy, these busy kids to do this, so. I've encountered more than one student who uh, has, has told me that certain things are not available on college websites, uh, such as the, the specialties of faculty or, or lists of student clubs, and they, they get to the home page and they can see that biology is listed, you know, they check that off and then they, they move on rather than digging more deeply. But I think you make a really good point that you know for those students who take the time there's a lot to be learned and, and then they can 
improve that synergy. Uh, one other thought I want to explore a little bit with you here. To what extent has cost and affordability, especially as affected by COVID, been a factor for families? Do you find that not so much students, but our parents becoming more cautious about their approach? Are, are they kind of drawn in the reins a little bit, the uh, parents, do you think? I think the the cost is definitely more of an issue this year. I think it's definitely one of the top top issues. I've talked to more parents about the FAFSA than I than I normally do, which I'm pleased to hear because I think it's great, you know, that they fill this form out. I know it takes some time, but even if they don't qualify for grants or free money, you'll qualify for a loan, and just it doesn't hurt to to check into that. I do think we've had many more conversations about families and special circumstances because of COVID and of course using your tax information from 2019 and so forth and just how this is going to be different, you know, right. very different in some cases. So yeah, I keep trying to have that conversation and, and put it out there in email as well to reach out to financial aid officers at the colleges. They're so incredibly helpful. Fill out that FAFSA, really watch for, you know, if also if they ask for the CSS profile, helping students find scholarships, you know, that sort of thing. Because again, I just think things are so much more unpredictable these days. Mm -hmm. I feel for the financial aid officers because I do think they're going to see more special circumstances forms or whatever they call it than they've ever had before because truly people have special circumstances these days. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like you and your colleagues and your students have really been able to go with the flow pretty well given the, the turbulent times. Do you imagine a return to normal? Do you think we'll see the way things were again, or do you think we're sort of evolving into a new time? Yes, we definitely have tried our best to go with the flow. I just feel like everything that we used to do in person, I'm constantly asking myself, okay, I have to shift this. So can I shift it to a video, you know, an email, or probably both, all of the above, you know, anything I can think of, a Zoom meeting. And I, I think there are going to be some positives and definitely some changes that come out of this. You know, I don't know if we're ever going to see the amount of physical college rep visits that we had before. You know, that's very costly for the, for the institutions. And I think some of the college reps do miss their travel season. And I think some of them probably don't miss living out of a suitcase for six weeks. So, <laughs> so just some, some changes like that. I think test optional is going to continue definitely for some institutions. I think some will go right back to testing or requiring tests, you know, as soon as they can. And we see it. Some of them have committed to maybe two or three or four years of test optional because they want to study that data, which is great. And then if it works for them, wonderful. And if it doesn't, you know, I think they'll go back to using those tests again. So business as usual, I think will look a little bit different. I think so. What do you say then, uh, we'll put this in some final perspective, to the, the young person you encounter who is kind of wild-eyed about the whole process, very anxious because things just aren't where they should be according to how she might have heard about it from her parents or her older siblings or her friends, and, and is just not quite sure that this process is going to work for her or him. This is the student who's on the, on the edge of uncertainty about, can I do this? How, how do you provide that reassurance? You know, I think there are some students who need that extra reassurance, like you said, and who need that extra support. So, you know, a couple things that I do, I, I try to model with the students, kind of just get them started. I, I find that if we sit down together and I say, well, hey, let's just look at a college website. Let me, let me try to show you what I'm talking about. And lo and behold, after, you know, a few clicks, we find um, a virtual visit 
maybe we find an interview with a student, uh, maybe we find the program they're interested in and so on, then it becomes, I think, a little bit more real and more interesting and more doable for them. So I think helping students like that, but it is, you know, it's kind of like writing that essay. It's hard to get started sometimes. And it's just not as much fun when it's you sitting in front of your computer as you traveling to that college campus and walking across campus. And, you know, like you said earlier, getting that feel for it, it, it is a little bit different. So you know, it's, it's the world we live in, and I, I think we just all have to kind of adjust and do the best that we can with, with what we have at this point. Well, and, and certainly given that kind of effort, things tend to work out pretty well. If there's an honest effort in, there's a, a, a good result at the end. Amanda, this has been great. I've enjoyed the opportunity to talk with you about the, the work that you're doing at Marymount High School, and the students there certainly are very fortunate to have you and your colleagues working with them. I hope that all of you who have been listening here find that there's some good information, if not inspiration to you as you pursue the college admission process. Amanda, thank you again. And to those of you who've joined us, I hope you'll come back again to listen to more conversation about college planning. Until then, please uh, have a good day and be safe. Take care. Mm-hmm.